Welcome to the Bold Lounge Podcast. My name is Lee Burgess, and I will be your host. If you're anything like me, you love hearing inspiring stories of people who have gone on bold journeys and made a positive impact in the world. This podcast is all about those kinds of stories. Every week, we'll hear from someone who has taken a leap or embarked on an extraordinary journey. In addition to hearing their stories, we'll also learn about their bold growth mindset that they use to make things happen. Whether they face challenges or doubts along the way, they persisted and ultimately achieved their goals. These impactful stories will leave you feeling motivated and inspired to pursue your own bold journey. I believe everyone has a bold story waiting to be freed. Tune in and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Bold Lounge. Today I have Janine Broussard. She is the founder of the Help Us Grow Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization focused on early childhood learning and development. Welcome, Janine. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about you, some of the bold moves that you've made with your foundation and the the great work that you're doing. But we'll start with the definitions of bold, as we usually do on the podcast. Would love to hear in your world what the definition of bold is. Sure. That's such a great question. And it gave me a lot of thought on what does bold mean to me? And for me personally, it's really being transparent and sharing your moral values with other people and and being a role model. So, you know, being bold and stepping into conversations that are uncomfortable and just really assisting with the thought process, tackling hard issues. Yeah. So being authentically you and and doing it in a way that's meant to help support or help others grow or even yourself grow. That's true. Yeah. So when in your life, and you can go back as far or do something recent, what is an example of that definition of boldness in your life? Yeah. So I considered like, what is the first time that I was bold, that I made the bold move way back when, when I was taking dancing class, when I was a young child, we were doing a tap dancing routine and it was in a large, large auditorium. And the older girls had to do cartwheels on our wooden boxes. And we had to go stack up our boxes. So there was 20 little girls with little tiny boxes and we had to stack them up and make a pyramid so that the big girls could do a somersault or a cartwheel. Mm -hmm. And I probably was the 15th girl in line to sit down my box. And I realized if they're really going to do a cartwheel with this pyramid has to be structurally sound. And so all of the boxes didn't match up. They were just kind of off kilter. And I was worried that the big girls were going to get injured. Yeah. I don't know why in my little mind, I thought that it was necessary during the whole production that I would realign every single box to make (laughs) the pyramid just right. And so um, everyone was wondering what I was doing, but I I just had this big passion to make sure that they were going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I fixed all the boxes. And then everyone, when I got off stage, everyone's like, why do you do that? Why? And then when the audience saw the big girls having to do cartwheels, they all clapped. And then when I came back on stage, they all clapped. And so that was my big, move, bold move. I didn't, I just wanted to provide safety, but that's my youngest bold move. So. Yeah. Well, you, you, I think you had a, obviously you were looking out for other people. You were seeing something that wasn't aligned. And you wanted to create an environment of safety, but, you know, let's still have some fun and do some cool stuff and, you know, do a cartwheel in a box, which I can't imagine even doing that (laughs) myself. So very, very cool, uh, bold moment. 
And so as you kind of think about as you've gone throughout your career and your life, how have bold moves been an advantage for you? Where have they served you well in your your life so far? Yeah, another good question. I was previous a cardiac nurse and an operating room nurse and taking risks and going out of your comfort zone are bold steps, but it really plays to your advantage if you're saving someone's life. And, you know, if you're calling for someone else to help or giving the assistance to save someone's life. So those life transformative moments, yeah, my medical profession really allowed me to take risk and to see the benefits of those risks. Yeah. So when one of the things as people kind of step into it, and we're going to talk about the foundation that you formed, which was also a bold move. But I think as people think about taking those risks or stepping into them, sometimes it's hard to do that. Obviously, as a cardiac nurse or operating room nurse, like you're doing that on a, you don't have time to think you can't actually, you, you've been trained, you have expertise, but you've got to move and be decisive. And I think there's a difference between being impulsive and being decisive. And have you felt like in your career, kind of doing the things that you're doing and the impact that you're having, that that boldness leads to more decisiveness in the future? Help Us Grow was created out of a bold move, but okay. it's a collaborative experience. And so collecting really smart people to help grow, help us grow is something that was very decisive. So all of our board members have a certain position to help us grow. And so we have collaborators from different colleges and educators from different states that really have helped us assemble a really great program. So it's it's been very decisive in building Help Us Grow. Yeah. One of our first conversations that we had, we were talking about books and reading. And my daughter is a huge reader. I read, obviously. But even my daughter, when she was younger, she didn't carry around toys. She had a a book bag, like literally like she loved books. And we started, there was Hooked on Phonics, which I haven't heard about lately, but she just absolutely loved that. And I remember getting it and she was just this rolling through like the books. And then, then we stopped listening to the tapes and she just was reading. And this was the time when iPods were actually just coming out, believe it or not. And we had got the little recorder and she would read into it and then hear herself, like make her own book on tape. But the power of reading and being able to one, read, to have it help or support your mental health, to be able to escape and like a good escape. Like I just need time to turn off this part of my brain and open up this part of the brain is incredible. One of the quotes that I've you know seen on Hug's website is literacy is a social determinant of health and productivity. Low literacy threatens our culture and our core values in the sense of pushing you towards founding this transformative group called Hug. What was it was the moment for you of we need to do something and we need to do something different? I was at a CEO council in Harvard, and the Harvard professor said that the moral fabric of our society is deteriorating. That motivated me into an actionable item. Just really diving into understanding how to help our culture grow by sharing core values. So the Be the Difference campaign is a component of the Help Us Grow. So the Be the Difference is trademarked by us, and we share a core value every single month. For example, be generous during the holidays, during the December December month, and we share those thoughts and ideas with the kids before we do the reading intervention. So I really just want it to be bold, make a difference in, in society, as well as elevate literacy. So it's a two-prong approach in both segments. Has reading impacted your life, and in what ways has it? Yeah, so I think I'm dyslexic and I've never been diagnosed. Okay. 
Well, there's many, many kids. The school, the public schools don't have the bandwidth to monitor dyslexia and monitor learning differences. And so I think everyone has a little bit of some deficiency. And if we can target those kids, find those kids and help them in that capacity, we grow reading, we grow their confidence. Mm -hmm. And you work specifically in grades one through three, correct? Correct. Some of the most formative years of reading. And tell us a little bit about the program for those that may not know about it. All the information's in the episode notes, but just give us an overview of what HUG is and the tutoring and the connection with the, the classroom. So the goal is to really elevate literacy in third grade to try to get them on grade reading level. And so what we asked our schools to do is the teachers identify 10 students per classroom and confirm that they're on a tier two, which is a year behind in their reading skills, and they need help with fluency and vocabulary. And so then we identify those 10 students, and then we procure 10 tutors and make sure that they're observed and very comfortable with giving a very skilled curriculum in reading, and it's all done virtually. And so we collect six points of data every single hour so that we know that when we're implementing HUG, that we're adding value. And so we know that the kids are learning two to seven words every single hour. And that we also know that the schools share their national test scores. And we know that we're really moving them along the national test curriculum. So that's the sort of the beginning of HUG, but there's so many attributes that have grown out of just lifting literacy. Mm -hmm. So we have college students. We're aligned with some colleges and we give internships and real life experience to those college students so that they can practice their skills that they're learning in college. We had two, two interns that now have a job at Dell and a, a job at Citibank. So we know that we're helping the college kids. We also know that we're helping the senior population because we have senior tutors and we're helping, helping them with a passion and a purpose. Mm -hmm. getting connected into their communities where they can really make a big impact on literacy in their communities. So actually we're, we're helping loneliness and depression on the senior side. So we're giving them a pathway into really just adding value to their community. And so, so we help elementary school kids, college kids and seniors. And then we also solicit corporate environments to raise um, volunteerism. And so for example, Humana, helps us with volunteering, and they might have four associates help one child. So it's only one hour a month for a corporate sector. Okay. So there's a lot of connection there. I think just the whole continuum, like from being a first grader all the way up to being a grandparent or being an older adult of connecting through reading, you know, like you said, passion and purpose and being able to give your time and be able to serve others, which I think is so important and obviously be a child when you're a child and you can't read, uh, I can only imagine that it kicks your confidence. Even me, yesterday I was, I'm writing my book and I was reading my chapter out loud and I was doing it, we were in the car, but I was still doing a terrible job reading it out loud. And I was like, wow, I used to be able to read out loud so well. I was like the first person that would raise my hand. I was that annoying girl in the classroom. <laughs> but, you know, not being able to read, what does that do? Tell tell us, educate us about the impacts of that in the early years. I mean, we we assume it's not good for confidence. It's not good for them being able to complete their assignments. But what are the other things you've learned through the HUG program? So usually, you know, it's the troublemakers. Mm -hmm. 
the kids that get into trouble, they're always doing something else to get out of reading. And we provide a really safe environment for them to make mistakes and to say, I don't know this world. And they really build the confidence and that have that bonding with their tutors to have that safety net to say, I really need, I need help. And so there's many, many stories, but if you go on our YouTube channel, you'll see a few testimonies of parents, of students, just saying how much the Help Us Grow program really, really helped their reading, helped their confidence. And one story that I like to tell is that we had a third grader that was Hispanic and she couldn't read or write in English or Spanish. And we have a tutor that helped her learn how to read and write in both English and Spanish. And now she's a rock star in the classroom. So that's one of those good feeling stories that happens a lot. Yeah. We're just, we're just there to really lift literacy, build that confidence and make self-sustaining learners. So they continuously want to grow. Yeah. And a lot of the things that we do, like even in our world that we work in, I think now the eighth grade level is where we're writing to. And, and sometimes even, you know, we're asked to do it lower. So I think, you know, for me, it, it, it does seem like the problem needs attention. The challenge needs support and we need more people. So one of the things that you do is a tutoring program. So tell me about how someone can be a tutor. How do we qualify as one? You know, how, how can more people, if they want to learn more to help? Yeah, that's a good question. So you can go to our website, which is okay. hugreadingprogram.org. There's a, I want to be a tutor button. You click on that button and it will roll you through several emails to tell you about our program. And then you can sign up and do our code of ethics, do our background check, and then sign up for a training session. Training sessions usually run from an hour to an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Then you can pick your opportunity of where you want to help your student or what time. Right now we have 12 sessions throughout the week. It starts September 11th. And we only have 120 kids right now, but the more tutors we get, the more students we get to help. And so my goal would be to have 500 pairs by the end of spring semester. Okay. That would be amazing if we could get, and and you can timeshare a student. And so say your schedule's too busy and you can't give one hour a week to lift literacy, maybe you can get a partner and then it's every other week. So you could mm-hmm. time share a student and really elevate and bond with that student. Is it in person or virtual or how, how do you tutor? So it is virtual, Okay, but it's a hybrid component. So we have 10 tutors, 10 students, and then we have two hug employees. One is an on-site specialist. So at the school or at the facility where the children are, mm-hmm. and that would be the physical aspect, the hybrid aspect of the job. And we have that person set the children up on iPads that we provide and headsets that we provide. And then we have the Be the Difference stickers and mints that we give to the children to participate. And then there's an online job description and that person navigates the Zoom rooms and makes sure everyone comes into the Zoom rooms and then pairs the student and the tutor up in a private breakout room so they have a private one-on-one session. Okay. And what results have you seen? I know they're quantifiable and they're incredible results. Like what are some of the things, obviously you had that one example 
uh, of the girl not knowing how to read or write in, in two languages and now can do more than probably both of us, possibly definitely me. I can't read or write in two languages fluently. So from the perspective of that, what results, What? how do you measure the outcome of, of HUG and the interactions? Yeah, so we take six points of data every single hour that we tutor because we want to show that the tutors are adding value. And so we have a pre and post engagement score of the student. And then we have the first read, how many words they struggled with, and then they read it again, and how many words did they correct. Through all the aggregation that we have in Quick Sight from Amazon, AWS, we noticed that the kids actually are learning more virtually. Okay. They learn two to seven words in every single hour. And so the average average national score in the schools, they're thinking that they should have three words a day. And because of the one-on-one, not that we're professionals, but it's just one-on-one mentoring and tutoring, the kids are learning that two to seven words per hour. Mm -hmm. And that really amplifies their national test scores. And so pre-pandemic, when we were in a large group setting and everyone, all the kids were in the cafeteria and all the tutors were in the cafeteria, it was like a big party. It was really fabulous for the kids. It was very interactive, but it was very distracting. Mm -hmm. And so we found out that pre-pandemic, it was two to four words. Post-pandemic or in the virtual world, it's two to seven words that they're learning every single hour. Yeah. So there's less distraction. Not that it wasn't positive to see the buzz and the energy, but just thinking about someone's energy, they're all focused in on the book and the one-to-one interaction. So that that's actually created an improvement in the number of words they can learn per hour. And then what, what do you say to someone who's like, I'm not sure whether I'm qualified to be a tutor or if I can do it just to go to the website and think, walk through the prompts and, and learn more about it? Yes. And so, you know, if you if you have more questions or, or just want to try it, just observe or mm-hmm. come to a demonstration, a virtual demonstration, and you don't have to, you know, you just want to see more about it. There's a ask for help or contact us and we can plug you into any tutor training session that we have. My desire is let's let's find a solution. Let's really just scale and lift literacy and change the life of children so that they don't turn into a life of crime. Yeah. So there's a correlation between not being able to read, dropping out of school, and then not being, you know, able to put your energy and your actions to good, and you might turn to something that's not so good. Hope is a very strong piece, and I think belief is even stronger. So believing that we can make the change and see improvements, we would see more a higher graduation rate, we would see a higher employment rate, uh, and we would see kind of our communities come back to maybe what we were used to uh, in the sense of cohesiveness and connectedness. Obviously, there's a lot of other variables that go into it, but feeling, I think, confident in ourselves and our abilities is one of the key things that pushes us forward. And there's always moments of self-doubt that creep in. And as a child, you know, in first through third grade, and I bet everyone can remember their first grade class or second grade class. I could, one, we were naming all our teachers the other day and, you know, I can name all my teachers, you know, K through 12. So you remember those things. And, you know, I remember in my second grade classroom was one of the times when it was math for me, not so much reading, but just trying to figure stuff out. And one of the things that I found, and I think this would be true on the reading side as well, and in comprehension is that my teacher took the time and had the patience, right? And that's what a tutor 
does. They can take the time and have the patience. So tell me a little about your team and kind of all the all the people that make up your team and the things that they bring and, and that we should know about Tug. Sure. We have a we have a great, great team. So our board is deep and they're so helpful. We have a retired superintendent. We have two or three reading specialists with 30 years of experience. And so that's just sort of the board level and the executive level. And then we have directors in each region. So we have a Kentucky director and we have two Central Florida directors. And then we step back and we have 20 HUG ambassadors. And those are the the um, senior HUG people that have been with HUG over five years. And then we have all of our college students that help us in data analytics. And then the educational students that actually show up to be tutors and practice all of their teacher skills. So I, I suspect we might have around 200 people in the HUG footprint mm-hmm. to help us grow the, the program. Yeah. One of the things that I know when I worked in the K through 12 environment, I was a director of assessment and data services. So I was in a large school district in Ohio and I was a person that was like the intermediary between the technology side and the classroom and helping the curriculum directors. And this is when No Child Left Behind was out and there were very stringent expectations, which came on pretty quickly, I think. And that was the, it wasn't so much of we were challenged by testing. It was so much the timing of expectation to bring everyone to the same level, regardless of where they're starting, which can be really hard in any realm of life, but specifically in the K through 12 environment. So one of the things that was really powerful was to make data meaningful, to make data actionable. And so would love to hear some of the things that you've learned from a data perspective from HUG, and then how you've either fed it back into the program and created something new or tweaked or tuned something or took it to the next level. Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. So user experience. We okay. all, so we look at we look at our children as our customers, our tutors as customers, and then any prospective people. And so we want to ensure that user experience or this educational experience that we're inviting people to utilize is easy and simple. And so mm-hmm. every single summer we look at feedback from our tutors, from the schools, from the parents to say, how do we make it easier? How do we make it more accessible? Mm-hmm. And every single year we, HUG is constantly evolving. Yeah. We always are making it better. And so just getting that feedback from everyone is super important to us. Yeah. So just a little bit about you kind of thinking about creating a foundation. So that's no small feat, right? And there's a lot of our listeners that I think are in different parts of their career, they want to help, they want to provide service, they want to maybe even create their own 501c3. What guidance would you give them or what advice uh, when they have that gut feel that they want to do something? And they might not have to be a founder, but maybe they just join it or have different roles. But what advice would you give someone who's just having that gut check, they want to do something bigger? Collect really smart people to help you. You don't have to do it alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do it alone. Yeah. It, takes, it takes a lot of people to make the creation. One, one small story is I was going to tell Hug my idea, my vision to a law firm to get them to help do the 501c3. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit late because I couldn't find parking and I was a little disheveled. And, but I gave my pitch to the lawyer there. His name is Ross. And he goes, okay, well, let's do it. Let's start filling out the paperwork. I'm like, well, it's it's lunchtime and I'm late and I'm and we're overtime. He goes, this is so important. We're gonna do it right now. So he started, and so find 
find people that can really exponentially help the process. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Yeah. So know that you don't have to go it alone and know that there's other people out there to help that. And I think that really, you know, extrapolates into lots of things that we do as adults of like, if we feel like something's not aligned or not safe, going back to your example, like talk about it, say something about it and do something about it. And I think that's bold in itself. And you started doing that early on and you've done it throughout your career. So as we end the podcast, what are the main things, you know, you want our listeners to know about hug, about reading and the difference that they can make? It's easy and it's simple. It's inclusive. We need everyone. 50% of the population reads it at sixth grade level and the other 50 read above. So it's a 50-50. So everyone that can read, please come and help lift literacy, whether it's Help Us Grow or another program. It's, we need to do it. Yeah, be bold, be a tutor. (laughs) All the information is below in the episode notes. Thank you so much, Janine, for being on the Bold Lounge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Bold Lounge podcast. Through the continuum of bold stories, vulnerability to taking a leap, you will meet more extraordinary people making a positive impact for others through their unique and important story. By highlighting these stories, we hope to inspire others and share the journey of those with a bold mindset. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and look forward to sharing the next bold journey with you. 